Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, News and Views from Jane Gunn and Guests. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Niels Brabant, who is an expert in sustainable leadership and prides himself on pairing technical knowledge with a scientific and research-based approach. As a speaker, Neil's talent is to explain complex topics in easy-to-understand language. He is also a football fan and long-standing supporter of Hamburg SV. So, welcome, Niels. Thank you very much for having me here. Oh, it's great, uh, Niels. And and tell me a little bit about you, Nursi. You... You focus on sustainable leadership, and and this is a time where we're really talking about sustainability. So what does sustainable leadership mean? Sustainable leadership, of course, is a very complex topic, though. so there's no easy answer for a a complex topic like that. However, when you look at my background, I had an IT background when I started first, realized that the best IT is worth nothing with good processes, so I did the whole process training management way of, of a career, and then realized even with the best systems and the best processes in place, without good leadership, it's it's nearly pointless to do anything in an organization because ba- bad leadership always catches up with you. You have a bad reputation as an employer. You don't win the right talent. You spend insane amounts of money on recruiting. And it's often done by a, by a very small group of people in the organization to give the whole employer, the whole organization, the whole company a really bad reputation. So sustainable leadership means that you have a modern approach to leadership, which means it's, it's situative, situative, which means you don't have one way of leadership. There are certain people which you have to lead in one way and then in the exact same organization, you have to lead other people in a completely different way. And often... What was taught in old-fashioned leadership schools, they often tell you, find your style and then just do it like that. And that is not how leadership works. You can't say, this is my style, and then put it upon the people and expect that they react in a positive way, because they won't. And especially when we look into upcoming generations who, for a good reason, have a very different approach to leadership. You can't expect them to just respect you for your title because you're the CEO of director or a director of a certain organization or a certain business unit, because legitimization of your role is not based on formal criteria anymore. It's based on social criteria. So sustainable leadership as a, as a complex topic in itself is a lot more face is a lot more focused on what human beings in your organizations need compared, of course, to the old approach, which says, I am the leader and you follow me. Besides the fact, of course, and we also have to focus on that, when you focus on the people, that's all good. However, the numbers still have to add up. When, you, when you're running a private business, you, you have to make a profit. And that is where the complexity comes in because you, you of course, can make your organization the most comfortable place to be when you don't make a single penny at the end of the year you haven't won yeah. anything <laughs> it was pretty fun working with you Niels but we didn't make any money <laughs> yeah yeah so leader, leadership has to pay off and I, I often see these sustainability approaches where, where they say oh this is a a certain goal it's a, it's a certain goal of diversity equality sustainability towards the environment all these are very important all these must be in the focus of a sustainable organization. However, if we go bankrupt by doing so, we haven't won anything for anyone because no one wants to be in an organization which is extremely sustainable at the same time here that they are now unemployed. 
So what are the key skills then, Niels, of what you term better leaders? You know, how do these leaders who are going to be more sustainable, more diverse and adapt themselves to the people and the diversity in the organization, what do they need? So when you look at three, let, let's, let's focus on three main aspects. So first, you have to distinguish between transactional and transformational leadership. And that's what some people already know. Transactional leadership is a bit more based on you make an order and people do what they say. The big advantage is they do what they what what you say. However, the big disadvantage is that first, once they finish the work, they often wait for the next order. So they're just waiting, doing nothing. And of course, when you tell them do it that way, you also lose a big deal of innovation and maybe better ideas of how to do it in a more sustainable way because you simply work based on orders and people have to follow your orders. So that's one way how to lead, but it's not the only way. Transformational means that you are a lot more focused on the idea, the concept of the position people have. You expect people to see what is your role in the organization, what is the job you have in the organization, what is your core task, what is your value contribution towards the organization's goal. And here's the next problem. Many organizations, people simply say, I don't know what the goal is, I have no idea what our strategy is. I have no idea where we develop. I just show up at 9 a.m. and I leave at 5 a.m. And that's what I do here. So transformational leadership means people need to know what their value contribution is. The big advantage is you get more innovation. You get more ideas. The big disadvantage, of course, is people sometimes might have ideas which you do not agree with. They might have ideas which do not work. And failure is a part. Failure is a part of uh, transformational leadership, which is more sustainable because when you have a new idea, part of having new ideas is sometimes to fail. And one thing I want to make very clear is a, a culture of failure does not mean that anyone can now do anything with any money and then fail and say, sorry for that, money is gone, moving mm -hmm. on. This is not how it works. So um, a, a culture of failure means that in a controlled environment, you take a certain risk. And one part of the risk is when it fails that you can derive what can we learn from this to be better in the future? So transactional, transformational is the first part. The second part is the situative approach, the stewardive approach, which I talked before, uh, talked about before, which means it's not about your style. It is about you adopting to the people. If you don't adapt your style to the people you talk to, your leadership will fail, especially with younger generations entering the workforce. They do not care that you are in the business for 25 years. They do not care about your PhD from Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Princeton, or Yale. They do not care about your results from the 1990s, which made you world famous. They only care, and this is an important part, the legitimization of your position is not based on formal criteria. They do not care about titles. They care about results. So as long as you're able to do your job properly, they will respect you. When they see you're not able to do that, then they will not respect you. The, the perfect example for that is when CEOs, for example, or, or leaders of departments say, well, we expect people to have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, at least having worked two, three, four, five years outside of the country, speaking two, three, four languages, and the exact same leaders are unable to create a single PowerPoint slide on their computers because they say, my assistant's going to do that. Yes. While, of course, young people have to master IT to an expert level. So... The situative, the situative approach simply means that it is it, it, it really comes to an end that you say that here's my style, deal with it. And the, the, the third aspect is you have to focus a lot more on the inner mission of the people. That now sounds very spiritual, and that's not what I mean at all. It can be spiritual for some, 
But the inner mission is what's really driving people? What, what is the reason why people get out of bed in the morning? And for some people, it is career. For some people, it is work. For some people, it is to go up the career ladder in the organization. But for many people, especially today and especially after the pandemic, it is not or it is not anymore. Many people realize that they want to spend more time with their family, that they want to have more time to do what they really like, which might be traveling, which might be a hobby they have. And, and you cannot ignore this inner mission. And by the way, don't ask for the inner mission because no one is going to give you an honest answer. <laughs> When you go, especially in the English speaking world, Germans are a bit more straightforward. And as you can probably hear by my charming accent, I am German, <laughs> which means no humor in this podcast. Just kidding. Uh, no, so, um, when, you, when you ask for the inner mission and you ask someone in your organization what really drives you, especially in the English-speaking world and especially in the UK and the US, they always say, I want to be a part of this organization with a great value contribution to make our mission happen and put the strategy in place, blah, 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 because they know what leaders expect to hear. Mm. You will only find out the inner mission normally after you know people for a couple of years and you always talk about aspects which are outside work when you are in an informal situation, not in a formal situation. So you more likely will find out about the inner mission of your employees at 2 a.m. in the morning during the annual conference at the bar compared to a meeting room situation where you pass along a questionnaire and say, please fill in your inner mission here. So these are three main aspects, distinguished between transactional and transformational approaches, um, situative, situative approach, adapt your leadership style to the people, not vice versa, and focus on their inner mission. That are three of the many aspects of, of a more sustainable leadership approach. And what I'm fascinated by there, we, we have uh, a term in, in mediation, which is transformative mediation, and that's very much about self-determination. It's about individuals stepping up to mm -hmm. take responsibility and accountability for the outcome of their situation, uh, rather than looking to me, uh, the mediator, being a lawyer and an expert to solve it for them. So I wonder, you know, it sounds to me as though there's some... Um, correlation there between that expectation of people stepping up to uh, leadership in their own right. Absolutely. And we know that one of the major challenges you have in organizations today is that people are not willing to make any kind of decisions anymore because they normally are aware of the fact that in a culture where failure is not accepted, this might have consequences for them, which they won't like. So what, what often happens is people know someone has to make a decision. So the, 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 the person who normally has to do it escalates it for some made up reason to the next higher level and to the next higher level, to the next higher level, until it reaches a level which is so high in the hierarchical pyramid that they don't even know what they are talking about. That person then says, I have no idea what this is about, escalates it down to the next lower level. And that person then, because of delegation rules, has to make a decision, often based on filtered information, wrong information, information which is heavily selective by how does my department look in this kind of setting. And, and then you see either wrong decisions or no decisions being made at all. And mm -hmm. this is a... 
this is becoming a, a real problem because when you punish people for making wrong decisions, of course, it's not great when someone makes a wrong decision. And when it's a massively wrong decision, of course, it has consequences. But that is part of being a leader. You cannot expect to climb up the career ladder, making no decisions and only getting a higher salary, more accountabilities, more responsibilities, but delegating everything away from you. We know, and this is now very present in press as well, people are very aware that a huge part of careers today, especially in the English-speaking world, is based on, and I'm going to be very straightforward with that, nepotism, cronyism, and insider deals. Mm -hmm. People are aware that sometimes positions are given away to the wrong people only based on who they are, not what their skills are. And this really needs to come to an end, because otherwise you have people who make a lot of money, uh, pretend that they are very important, while at the same time not doing their job properly and making no decisions. It's as, as you said, when I have you as a mediator, at the end, I have to make the decision, do I accept the solution, yes or no? I cannot say when it goes wrong, Jane Gunn did something wrong. No, I decided that the mediation ends in a certain way. And when the outcome is not satisfactory, we have a learning from that for the next moment where we have such a conflict, but I have to step up and say, this is my leadership role and I am taking full accountability. And I, what I'm fascinated by, uh, Niels, is how this translates into, A, the times we're in and what we're seeing in, uh, in a wider sphere in terms of politics, because I feel that the time we're in, uh, everybody's looking for a sense of safety and a sense of leadership, mm. but... Uh, and my own personal sense is that we shouldn't, as individuals in organisations or in society, be looking to others to lead us. I mean, yes, we need leadership in a sense, but we also need what you talked about is that inner leadership, that own our own moral compass and our own sense of why we do what we do and not for somebody else to be telling us all the time. Uh, and I wonder if what you make of the times we're in with your leadership hat on. I think that in the times we're in, many people now became aware that they might be in a situation in life where they do not want to be. And that is one of the main outcomes now organizations are struggling with. People suddenly realize, I do not like what I do here. When you look into, and that was an evaluation with edX did. edX is the largest learning platform worldwide, funded, founded by the MIT and Harvard University. And during an evaluation where more than 100,000 people took part in, they came to the conclusion that two-thirds are looking to do a different job after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, many people of these two-thirds, once the pandemic is over, will return to, oh, it's a safe job here. Maybe it's not great, but, you know, I'm here for a long time and I know the people here and I have some friends in the area. And, and you just keep staying in the world of being miserable by at the same time doing the same thing you do every single day. And and the real insanity, I think Albert Einstein said that, the, the real insanity is when you keep on doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. So when it, when it is about leadership, of course, in an organization, you need certain positions where people lead you in a certain way because they hopefully have the qualification and especially the experience and the knowledge, the wisdom and everything you need to make a proper decision. However, Self-leadership means that you are able to determine a goal which you want to fulfill. And many people in the working world just gave up on these goals. And when I might quote John Oliver from last week tonight, he has a US political comedy show every Sunday. He said that in the UK, um, and that's a major difference, when you leave school in Germany, you, you really think that you can master the world 
everything that the, the world really is your oyster and you can achieve anything you want. And John Oliver said, when you leave school in the UK, every bit of hope is beaten out of you. They tell you that's your place, confirm and work. And I think it is a real cultural issue that in certain cultures, people just gave up on what their, what their goals in life were. And they just think that Monday to Friday is an ongoing struggle to, to look forward to what is called weekend, where you can pretty much live your life. I can tell you when, from a self-leadership point of view, when you do that, you will come to the age of 60, 65, where you retire, and you will realize that you missed out on two-thirds of your life. Because let's face it, when we look how many hours we spend at work, when we look at how many hours we spend on commute, this might change after the pandemic, and when we look at how many hours we sleep, Two-thirds of our day is gone with sleeping and working. So do you want to spend two-thirds of your life with either doing nothing, which means sleeping, or doing something you really do not like? And yeah. it is now the time where you really have, you have to decide what do you want to do in the future. I know that some, some, pe some people who might listen to this now will say, Niels, it might be easier for you. And yes, it is. I am single, not married. That was a deliberate decision in my life. Mm. Um, but that is part of self-leadership that you make conscious decisions in your life where you life where your life should go. And when you now have commitments, it, it might be it might be the time where you have to reconsider, do I still need to pay off a house for 20 or 30 years? I know that Brits are obsessed with owning houses, very different in Germany, um, where they where they prefer to rent. Look at your life commitments, look at how you can make your life a more comfortable one. Because otherwise you're going to run out of time. But the, but the main and most important idea out of that is what you said, Jane, that people need to develop an, an, an understanding of self-leadership because you cannot expect other people to lead you during your whole life and then you get the outcome you want because often they don't know what you want. I'm fascinated by that, Niels. And, and I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Ricardo Semler, are you? He wrote The Seven Day Weekend and his sense mm -hmm. in his leadership of his organisation was there should be no difference if you're enjoying your work, if you are doing what you feel inspired to do um, between the weekdays and the weekend. And as you say, I know some of us are luckier to have that sense of purpose in our lives, but searching for that and finding that and finding actually you know, our own why and our own sense of leadership must be something we all aspire to. And, and I'm wondering in the times we're in, looking out again towards society and culture, what each of us can do to lead us forward, you know, to, to, to try and find, I mean, I sense we're at a tipping point now. We have an opportunity to look at what kind of society, look at what kind of culture we wish to live in, we wish to create, whether mm -hmm. that's at work or at home. Mm. What can we do, each of us as individuals, Niels? The first thing you need to do when you want to change something about your situation is to address it. And I, I promise you, and I, I now know again that many people in the English-speaking world say, oh, I can't go to my boss and say X, Y, Z. So first, believe me, you can. Unless there's no physical barrier or the door is constantly shut, you can. Of course, you might not get what you want out of that, but let's face it, organizations are heavily depending on talent. They need you, and organizations, of course, hope during the pandemic that the market is going to turn and that the employers now are 
in control again of, of the job market. But that did not happen at all. Unemployment numbers went up and then they went down again. Mm-hmm. Might take a while until they are where they were before. However, the situation of talent is even more challenging than it was before. So you might reconsider, do you want to spend five days in the office or maybe you want to have work from home or maybe you want to have a situation where you say Monday and Friday from home, Tuesday to Thursday in the office. There will be a flexible solution because when it happened during the pandemic and it worked, there is no reason why it shouldn't happen and shouldn't work after the pandemic is over. Second, you have to look at your at your private circles you're hanging out with. When you surround yourself with people who either use you, which means they get a lot out of you, but you don't have any benefit have it, spending time with them, you, you probably should reconsider um, if, if you are hanging out with the right people right people and especially in the career world often people try to sell and this is often based on 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 really bad advice from motivational inspirational speakers there is this myth where people say you are basically the average of your five best friends what is the core message of that select your friends by their wallet i have no idea what (laughs) motivational speakers want to tell so first it's not true so there, there is strong scientific evidence that this never was true because when they make the claim they have to deliver the evidence and surprise the price they didn't so when you look at your private life circumstances you should look at the factors that make you unhappy because they also influence your performance at work and I can tell you from my own experience, because I grew up in a family where each and everyone for hundreds of years worked for the state. It's a huge family tradition. So starting my own business really never was on the agenda. And I simply started it besides my work at at uni, uh, because I had to invoice clients, did IT training when I was 18, 19 years old. And my business simply grew into a certain direction which I didn't think it would do. However, it was still a big leap of confidence for me to say I am now self-employed simply because I had no idea how it works. I had no one who I could ask. And also my family, of course, said, we're going to support you, which means we hope it goes right. (laughs) But of course, they had no idea how self-employment should work out because no one of them ever was a part of free enterprise or self-employment. So I couldn't go back to a network or do business with people my my parents knew already. So I had to start from scratch. And when you now think of doing something different, I am not a big fan of what people say, just do it. There's never the right time. So just keep on starting, just just, just keep doing something. This often ends in 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 a catastrophe. Sit down. And then you look at what do you do in business? Do you like it? Yes or no. What do you do in your private life? Do you like it? Yes or no. And then you go into more detail. What are the aspects you like? What are the aspects you dislike? What is the mission you consider yourself on? What is the the vision you have? Where do you want to be when it comes to private life and work life? And it should be more than be happy because that's a bit too general being happy, there's an excellent uh, course by UC Berkeley led by Ducker Keltner, who's the leading psychological professor, professor for psychology at UC Berkeley, California, and Emiliana Simon Thomas, who is the leading scientist at the Greater Good Science Center. So m- maybe you take a look at that because they really explain what makes us happy and unhappy from a scientific point of view. However, Getting back to the main aspect of this, what you really have to do is sit down and accept that nothing is going to change when you do not make decisions in your life. There will never be the magic moment where suddenly your boss turns up and say, you know what, 
I have £250,000, which I wanted to give you today. And by the way, you don't have to work for that. So have a good day and go home. <laughs> this is never going to happen. There is no miracle. There is no shortcut. Be aware that a lot of people at the moment are preying on vulnerable people and sell them pointless online classes with get your mission, get your idea of life, et cetera, et cetera. It's more complicated than that. But the first step really is sit down, look at the situation you're in right now. Don't take decisions too quickly. Don't make them without having a proper foundation. However, your situation will not change when you do not make decisions in one, di in, in one direction or the other. So you really have to look at the foundation of your business world, your private world, and then see how, if you want to merge them, what you can uh, change in your life when it comes to going to work, employment, self-employment, something completely different. Um, the main aspect of all of that is that the very first step is sit down and document properly what your situation is, because still... The foundation of every bit of success, the, the, the foundation of everything you achieve in life is that you first know the facts. That's how science works, by the way. You, you just know the facts first and then you make decisions based on reliable and valid facts. Yes, that's how law works as well, Neil. <laughs> you have Good. to find the facts yeah. first. <laughs> but I and I think, you know, how sensible to, to actually, you know, to, to do this work, because I think a lot of people don't. They're always sort of hoping for a better future, but they haven't mapped it out. Mm. And the idea that you map out what you want and then move towards it seems eminently sensible. But I don't get the sense that we are taught those skills anywhere in school or university or college to actually be able to take this um concept of self-leadership and and apply it to our own lives i don't think i was ever taught that it's something that um either comes to you or doesn't because of your situation i think yeah i think when you look at what is taught in school of course it is hard to say that school should 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 teach us these skills because a a system like the state is of course not focused on how to fulfill your dreams and uh, start your own business and everything mm -hmm. a a, a a school system run by the state is focusing on find your part in society and have a, have a safe income because that's how, how the state keeps out of problems with you. They are pretty much focused on getting you into work somewhere. They, I, I don't even think they care where you work as long as you do work and have a certain contribution to society. And of course, and again, especially in the English speaking world where people often say there is a shortage of good teachers no, there's not a shortage of good teachers. There's a shortage of people who need to have a master's level qualification and then should work for £30,000 or less. That is the shortage you have. And in, in, in Germany, for example, the qualification of teachers, you need to do a lot more training in the first place, but also you get a very well-paid job and a very safe job as well, which is the reason why I think you get a different quality there. However, it is hard to say that People who work in a very state-driven environment should be the people who teach you how to fulfill your dreams. Um, also, I think many people would challenge the state spending on that. I think what you really need is that you get a, a good mentor or a good coach who helps you on the way. And now this is an official warning. There are many people praying on Instagram, YouTube, all these inspirational, motivational videos where people tell you, I went from nothing to six digit, seven digit, eight digit, blah, blah, blah. It's of course all made up. 
be very careful who you work together with. Look at a proper track record. It's not important if people have a bachelor's or master's degree, except you want to go in an area where this is needed. For example, if you want to be a, a chemical scientist uh, working for the Max Planck Institute, you, of course, need scientific qualification. You should talk to someone who has it. However, often, the, especially in free enterprise, the proper track record of having things done in real life is more important than some university course they did when they were 19 years old. And I think that besides school, you really should look into, and I, do, I, I am, as you know, Jane, I am strongly opposed to inspirational, motivational books in the self-help industry, because mm -hmm. these are all well-sounding one-liners to, to comfort you and then lure you in, into some sort of training or coaching. The way how things work, it's based on science. It's based on facts. And I know it's not sexy or nice to read scientific reports. However, they tell you the truth. And that might not always be comforting, but I don't think that anyone has a career based on just being inspired by something. That's what often people say after they had a career based on facts and hard work. Uh, then they afterwards say, oh, I'm so inspired. Book me as your inspirational speaker for $10,000. That's why they suddenly want to sell that. So um, expecting from school how to fulfill your dreams, I think is something we will, we will never see. School gives you very important skills you need in life, but they pretty much give you the basic skills you need And as soon as you leave school, the challenging part begins. That's where you have to see what you want to do with these skills. And then you have to go into a certain direction. And sometimes it is very hard when you, when you especially in today's climate, you want to go into, for example, acting. Um, that might be very tough, how you want to make a living from that. And of course, we can now have a philosophical debate about which state system we want to, want to have to support or not support the arts. But everything you should do needs to be based on facts. I know this sounds brutal and some people might say it's not very inspiring to me. However, nothing in life works when you don't know the facts. No, I, I understand and agree with you there, Niels. So I'd like to ask you then, uh, who, who are the inspiring leaders? Who, who might we sort of use as, um, as mentors, as, as icons, as people who, yeah. are, who understand this? Where? Yeah, so I think, I think, and that's the school I come from as well, I think you should really start with Peter Drucker, who's unfortunately yes. not alive anymore, but Peter Drucker's management really is the foundation of modern leadership, and it still is. There are a couple of um, new approaches right now, which in one way or the other still hover around principles Peter Drucker wrote about in the 1960s, sometimes 1970s and later. However, As soon as you start to understand concepts like reversed accountability, what accountability really means, what you should expect from leaders, how accountability works in your own life and how you take accountability for the steps you do and how to design a career out of that, I think that is very helpful. I could, of course, now list 10 other people, but let's face it, when you, when you start with Peter Drucker, you have enough to read probably for the next years already. <laughs> <laughs> I, can sure. I, I also can recommend try to get on platforms where they offer you scientific knowledge free of charge. And these are first, it's ResearchGate, researchgate.de. Um, I think now they have the .com domain as well. ResearchGate is, the, is one of the world's largest platforms for people who 
publish in science and they have all their work either available for free that's that's what i do some people say you have to give them a reason when you want to have their work for free and so far i have never heard a no from them as long as you ask politely and say i like to have this for my personal career advancement they are happy to give you their papers for free which of course saves money there's another website called academia.edu where also people share a lot of their scientific knowledge it is just really important that as soon as 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 soon as you hear something where when there's a complex issue and someone offers you a simple solution be aware that this most likely will not be true no matter if it's motivation inspiration invest in bitcoin or whatever else there is never an easy solution to a complex situation because if there were we wouldn't have the solution we we wouldn't have the problem in the first place obviously be sure that when it comes to leadership start with peter drucker and then of course there are different different schools and different ideas of leadership and that's where the debate happens so i'm not yes. going to tell you which route you have to go down from there but have a proper foundation first before you call yourself a a management or leadership expert so nils what would your final message to our listeners be today uh, given the times that we're in um that we've already discussed we we're just coming out of this sort of covid crisis or or we may still be in the middle of it but we've nevertheless been through a crisis which has impacted our lives and our organizations what what would your message on sustainable leadership be Sustainable leadership for you has one big advantage sustainable leadership needs talent and when you're listening to this podcast it already means that you're spending most likely your private time educating yourself with a podcast which is focused on science and facts and not on some fluffy inspirational motivational stuff it is very important that you now after listening to this take specific steps feel free to add me on linkedin you see my name at the podcast here nils probant It's a German name, not easy to spell, I know, but you find me on LinkedIn and pretty much every other social media platform which you can think of. Feel free to contact me anytime when you're looking for advice. But the most important aspect right now is you demonstrated already that you are interested in educating yourself. You demonstrated already that you're willing to invest your own time into becoming a better expert, better person in a certain subject matter expertise area. You already demonstrated that you are willing to go the extra mile and more than other people do in their life. So why stop here? The core message now really is free enterprise no matter if you're looking at self-employment or employment needs talent and everything is available at your fingertip to become one of these talented people and have a career out of that and also which is equally important have a great life beside work. Well, I think that's uh, I shouldn't say it should I think it's really been a very inspiring message to finish on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, where do people find you? I know you've said LinkedIn, but do you have a website you'd just like to give the address of? Yes, it's www.nb-networks.com. However, um website will be updated in due course of this year the main action of what i do happens on linkedin yes. um, that's also a piece of advice i can give you in investing in linkedin even if it's the smallest version um is important linkedin is a great business network with very good resources and also it's a great way to build your network um heavily recommend by the way because some people might otherwise jump on the wrong learning platform um look at edx.org and coursera.com these are platforms run by edx is run by harvard and the mit coursera 
is run by, I think it's Princeton and Yale. Um, so these are proper university networks which now offer online courses during the pandemic at a very, very reasonable rate. And you know, when you, when you look for a career, sometimes you might have employers who, who, who want to have something written on, on paper. And I think when you come along with, with proper science and an, and an education which has a good name on it, that, that might be helpful as well. So feel, feel free to connect with me and we can have a chat about that as well. Fantastic. I also highly recommend LinkedIn and this podcast will be um, will be displayed there and um, we will put those links in the show notes. So Niels Brabant, thank you. Um, I've learned a lot. I hope others will learn a lot from this interview as well. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Very happy that I could be of help and then looking forward to having discussions in the future. Thank you very much for your time here. Thank you, Niels. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunn.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.